Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. We've been pretty fortunate to track down some of those burning questions about the Gym City, like why so many bars and churches, or what exactly is the Ellington Stone? But there's one burning question that keeps us up at night. Why does such a religious town have a devil for a mascot? We'll try to find out the answer with Matt Chuckman next on Wild Quincy. Now, here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Welcome back to Wild Quincy. Travis, uh, we never got an answer, but I still think I'm right. Bass no Pro way Shop. it's Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> you knew it. No way. <laughs> We didn't say anything before. No, nope. like nope, not Bass Pro Shop. Nope. <laughs> I kept waiting for something to roll in, and it never has. Never did. Help me out, guys. Uh, we were trying to say the Bass Pro Shops was a, a, sh- a store in Quincy at one point in time, uh, out there on Broadway. Like I'd say, what thirty eighth or so in Broadway. But uh, the crack yeah, you're had- smoking must have been delicious, Chris, because that was certainly not a Bass Pro <laughs> Shop, as everyone will surely let us know by the next time we chat. Yeah, so let us know about that. Uh, some things we got to let you guys know about is a new Patreon member. Travis, who's that? Yeah, that's right. We're more than privileged and happy to welcome aboard Marlene Kipley at the $5 Medium Jeff special level. Uh, Marlene, actually Marlene and I, our families go way back. Uh, her, I guess it'd be her nephew is a good friend of mine from years ago. Oh, cool. Shout out to Nathan. Uh, yeah, so th- Marlene, thank you so much for your support. If you would like to be part of the Wild Things, and you can join our Patreon, which will ac- open a grand library of bonus content episodes. Pretty much an- a bonus episode for every episode we have right now. So lots of love for a few bucks a month. Uh, let's just stop right here, because here's my problem, Travis, is that you have a lot of your friends and family that are like that are Patreon members. And oh, I feel almost like I, hit the like, stop button on the recording there, Chris. We're gonna have to have better <laughs> signals on, on when to actually stop. Yes, I hear you though. There, there is a bit of love given from my. Apparently, no one loves you, Chris. So. <laughs> apparently, I'm not loved, and that's okay. That was not a pity. People, come become a Patreon no. I'll, I'll I'll use the pity angle. No, I'll. <laughs> Look at it. Look, look at him. He's, he's crying right now, guys. I can see that in the corner of his eye, he's smiling, Tear. but there is a little drop forming because no nobody is giving him any love from his past. Nobody give me love. Go nope, give him some love. Become a wild thing. And he, he wiped those tears away. Right, And now. you can be part of our next outing, which we'll be having coming up this spring, which will be really fun once we get season three rolling. So For a few as, dollars a month, yeah. you can support this child. In Patreon and, and keep those tears out of his eyes. You're right, though, Chris. We, we do have some outings in the future. We need to get uh, what's what's the lady that does the uh, the music? Um, oh, Sally Struthers, maybe? No, no Sarah no, McLaughlin. No. Yeah. Sarah McLaughlin, yeah. Yes. We'll get Sarah McLaughlin to come on and do a, do something for us. Right, sorry, I can't hit those notes. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. So yeah, Patreon, check it out. Uh, it's uh, Patreon.com/slash Wild Quincy Travis. This has been cool. We mentioned this a few episodes ago, and we uh, haven't really dug into it very much. But I, I'm excited to dig into this because we have had some people that have sent us text messages on That's our right. listener line. So I want to give a shout out to just a couple of them that we have here. And we have one here. It says, listen to this week's episode. You guys are great. We appreciate that. We had a, a guy named Jeff 
that texts us says, uh, listening while driving. Hopefully you weren't texting while driving. Uh, love the pod. And uh, then he came back again and sent us another message saying, know, uh, know everything about the St. Francis School Fire as my great aunt Coletta was one of the young girls who perished in that uh, incident. So uh, again, kind of going back to our very first episode. And uh, But uh, yeah, we're really excited to, to have uh, him uh, text message us. And then some person named Liz uh, said, you are officially added to my phone. Get ready for random messages every time I listen. That's right. That would be none other than my wife. So so again, <laughs> all that love, all that love. Um, she also mentioned, and, and she didn't mention the story to me, about uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, where she spent a lot of her life, had what's called the Don, and that is a kind of a similar concoction to the what we know as the Herald. And apparently that was a uh, police department dispatcher's kind of creation and became kind of a legend among the uh, Stillwater PD. So the breakfast dawn is is what they called it. So there you go. The the rumblings of the Herald across the country. Speaking of uh, things across the country, anywhere you're anywhere, you can always text us at that listener line. And Travis, you always have that number in front of you. As I do right now, 612-666-9453. Please be, feel free to text us or give us a voicemail, 612-669-453. Well, Travis, it's the end of the season. This is our season finale episode. Oh my God, how'd that happen? Exactly. We're at the end of season two. So it's typically when we like we did last season, it's not something necessarily related to the next episode because that's uh, down the road a little ways, but it's still Quincy eccentric. And so our question of the day is this. Are you ready, Travis? Yeah, bring it on. I'm ready for you. How many towns are named Quincy in the world? Oh, shoot. Boy, yeah. that, that's a rough one. Okay, well, we'll, I know. we'll see what I can come up with at the well, end of the show. Let me give you some choices. How oh, that's that? right. Yeah, you got to tease it a little bit. Bring yeah, it Yeah, so here's the choices. Either you got eight, 12, 18, or 22. So again, that question is, how many towns are named Quincy in the world? We'll have the answer coming for you at the end of this episode, but we're excited to bring in uh, Matt Shuckman, who's going to be talking about one of the biggest questions that we've ever had on this podcast, and that is, why in the world is there a mascot that is a devil in a Catholic town? We'll have that answer for you maybe coming up here in a few minutes on Wild Quincy. <laughs> Here's what you missed on the latest After Hours episode of Wild Quincy. And what happened in my mind was that it was going to go and like, oh, ha, 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 laughter ensues. Dad's funny fart joke. Check. We're done. <laughs> what happened? I gave what I thought was a within calibration gentle squeeze of this unicorn. And yeah. instead of a, the comical ball of goo, it ruptured and flew across <laughs> across the <laughs> Aisle, exploding into a display on the other side of the store. Our After Hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to patreon.com slash wildquincy. For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes at your fingertips, but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town. Also, as a Patreon member, you can take part in our live events and Patreon-only outings, as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public. It's easy. Just head to patreon.com slash wildquincy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wildquincy and become a wild thing today. (laughs) 
back here on Wild Quincy and uh, Travis. We got a special guest for our final episode of the season. We do. We are pleased to have a Quincy sports journalism icon. I think it's safe to say. You know, many years in the media. Now he's calling Muddy River Sports his home, and he's at the helm, bringing us great content. Also, an expert on the matter at hand here. He authored Stand Up and Cheer, A Century of Blue Devils Basketball. We're so pleased to have the one and only Matt Shuckman join us tonight. Matt, welcome and thank you so much. Oh, guys, I'm honored to be here. This is uh, this is fun. I've, I loved your podcast. I've listened to it plenty of times and thank you. Uh, you guys do a great job. Well, we, we appreciate it. Yeah, we're just going to shoot right out of the gate here, Matt. And we are going to figure out what the answer to the question that everybody has on their mind. And the question has been on our mind forever. And the question is this. We are such a, uh, a religious Catholic town, the beautiful town of Quincy, Illinois. Why in the world do we have a Blue Devil as our school mascot? The best explanation I can give you is in the early 1900s, they changed the school colors to blue and white for the specific reason if they wanted something more fierce. fierce. And it was, it was all done about by the football team. So when Quincy High School first started its athletic program, the late 1800s, early 1900s, you know, late night, Quincy High went undefeated in football in 1901. Wow. Wearing lemon and white uniforms. <laughs> I and just it, love that it wasn't yellow, but it was lemon. It's lemon. so specific. Yeah. It's like you can almost taste the uniform when they say lemon. Well, I, and it, it begs me to, the question for me has always been, how did they know the difference between lemon and yellow back then? Because you never heard of that. <laughs> You know, was yellow not a widely accepted term at that point? I, I, I don't know. I don't have an explanation for that. But but lemon and yellow were the school colors. The football team wanted something more fierce. Yes. So they went with blue and white instead of lemon and white. I'd say that was an upgrade. Way it to go, was. And, yeah. and so when the basketball program began in 1907, they were blue and white. But no, no nickname. The nickname didn't come around for almost another 20 years. The origins of it. I have never been able to find um, it, they, it just sort of popped up in school yearbook, which, which back then was called the QHS shadows. Okay. And also very dark and ominous to match the blue and white. Exactly. Yeah. So the very first reference was blue devils in quotation marks, but okay. it wasn't, it wasn't widespread. It was just a simple mention of it. Uh, but most of the time they were refer, referred to in the media and in the yearbook and everything as blue and white. Just the blue oh, and white. That's how they were white. called. Blue and white. That's, on, a, that's on, not a bad name. Yeah. No, it's all right. You know, the Millican University over in Decatur, their nickname is the Big Blue. Okay. Hmm. To this day, it's still the Big Blue. What exactly is the Big Blue? Your guess is as good as mine. It could be anything, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, that, so you're, you're just to recap, you're in the 1920s, like I think in 1926, maybe the QHS uh, yearbook. I was just studying up on your book. Wait, how, how long ago did you write this book, Matt? Uh, that was done in uh, 2000, it was 13, 14 years ago. It is amazing. I, I've, I haven't gone completely deep yet in everything, but just perusing it the last day or two. You have all these great kind of like call out sections that are like great for just kind of getting a real finger on the pulse of how things were. And one of those, you know, you, you talk about 1926 being the uh, the yearbook and the Blue Devils. And, and I loved how it, was, it started with quotes and yeah. then fell off the quotes. So we have the name, the yeah. Blue Devils. Where did we get to where we are today with the infamous intro in the court? 
Blue Devil running with a flamed uh, pitchfork? Or f- I, There was a little bit of a question that was raised, I think, in your book, Matt. It was At first, it was just a pitchfork and not a, I guess, flaming pitchfork or torch, Correct. maybe? Is that Correct. right? What's the story there? Well, start, the, the original Blue Devil mascot, um, somebody dressing up as the Blue Devil, took place in the 1950s. Uh-huh. And they dressed up with the cape and the horns and the whole bit, but they had a just a wooden pitchfork, you know, they cut out of, you know, plywood. Hmm. Sure, sure, sure. It wasn't until the 1960s when Cheryl Hanks came along, he and Paul Corey, who was a school board member, came up with the idea of a Blue Devil ceremony, pregame ceremony. And it has evolved ever since in, in different facets. The main part of it has been a Blue Devil coming onto the floor dressed in the Blue Devil garb with a flaming pitchfork. It sounded it sounds like they were super involved and just like had this creative energy they brought to the whole you oh. know the whole idea of the program. They did at one point in time they did a thing called the Devil's Cauldron and they used dry ice so that it would smoke. Boy, it's like you can see my notes cuz I was just getting ready to ask you about the infamous uh Blue Brew, yes. correct? Is this what you're referencing? Blue yes. Brew. Was there anything in there? No. They they had a ladle and and they would act like they were drinking from the from the cauldron. Okay. And so everybody almost... wanted to drink from the devil's cauldron. They wanted to drink the blue brew. <laughs> so if you sat in the stands and you saw this going on, you wanted to be a blue devil so that you got to be a part of that ceremony. This is such an iconic moment in in a town that's I think it's safe to say it has a healthy obsession. I would say healthy, maybe. We'll throw healthy in there. Yeah. With with sports and basketball in particular. Yes. I think everybody has kind of an origin story of when they first kind of became aware. I know I moved into town when I was in fifth grade. I was in the parochial system. But a neighbor across the street taught out at QHS. He asked if I wanted to go to one of the games. And, I, you know, I was it was kind of on my radar, but, you know. Nothing, nothing to the extent of knowing what was going to happen in that ceremony. And boy, I mean, the goosebumps that I think almost anybody can get that first time you're there. What was your first experience, Matt, with the Blue Devils and and becoming kind of drinking the Blue Brew, if you will? I started going to games when I was five years old. So the Blue Devil Gym, as we know it now, was built in 1957. First game played there was in December of 57 against Keokuk. When Cheryl Hanks took over in 1960, they started selling season tickets. Okay. Hmm. Okay. My grandparents bought three season tickets in 1961 and kept those t- tickets till they could no longer go to games. Well, then my parents inherited that from my, my grandparents. At the time, Quincy High wouldn't allow you to sign your tickets over to someone else. So okay. if you had season tickets and – you wanted to pass them along. You didn't have that opportunity. They went back into the season ticket pool. Oh, really? Okay. And then eventually the time came. So my grandparents kept those t- season tickets in their name, I believe, th- into the 1990s. Wow. Um, but my my parents took them over and went to the games uh, when my grandparents no longer could and started taking me when I was five years old. And the same okay. three seats they've had since 1961 are still in our family. Wow. Under the north, uh, the north basket in the back row of that section. 
So uh, that, and you know, you bring up an interesting thought. And I, I, I graduated from Payson, and so we really didn't have season ticket holders. But and I, I feel like that's a rarity. Is that something that's unique or not? Or am I just not familiar with like a larger, you know, uh, high school basketball teams that have the season ticket holders, especially season ticket holders that are long standing holders? It's not unusual in certain places. You know, okay. and I, I think certain bigger schools have that. I think so, certain smaller schools, smaller communities have people who have gone to the same games and sat in the same seats for decades. Um, <laughs> it depends. It depends on the the passion of the community. You look at a place like Pittsfield. I guarantee if you walked into Voshel Gym at any point and, and you went and sat in a certain seat, somebody would tell you, nope, can't sit there. That is so-and-so seat. Whether it's actually their seat or not, technically, they claim you know, it. but – you know, I went to a game recently in Illini West um, up in Carthage, and there were people who had their blankets before the doors even probably opened <laughs> set up on those seats because th- those are the seats they sit in every single game. So yes. I don't think that's a rarity around here. I think the vast number of season tickets that people buy is a rarity. Um, really? Yeah, I, the, the because face it. The almost the entire lower bowl of Blue Double Gym is season ticket holders. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. So I wasn't and, aware of that. And and people, those are those those are their seats. And and you'll talk to people who have whether they've had them for 10 years or 30 years, those are their seats. And they want to sit in their seats when they come to a game. Wow. I want to go back real quick to uh, something else you guys were talking about is is talking about the ceremony in general. Uh, and you you know, you've you've covered sports uh, for a long time now. And has there anybody have you ever seen it or has you ever had anybody come to you and say, well, you know, Quincy High School's opening ceremonies are pretty cool, but have you ever seen this school's opening ceremonies? Does anybody match to what Quincy High brings to the table? No. People try. You know, and, and the unique thing is you see other schools do turn down the lights and use uh, spotlights and, and music and that you see people play off the old bowls uh, music, right, right. you know, when from the Michael Jordan era on the, the entrance and stuff. But nobody brings a blue devil out with a flaming pitchfork that runs around <laughs> the gym. There's so many legal reasons that probably could never happen in most schools. No, it seemed like their grandfather did. Like if, if someone were today to go to the school, we're saying, here, I got this idea. And in, in, in modern times, we're going to have a student with a flaming pitchfork. I mean, that would be the end of the conversation. <laughs> but I think it's so cool that this, the legacy of this, of, you know, a different time has carried through and it pressed on beyond, it's beyond any of the regulations or, you know, any, you know, it's, it's safe, maybe not always the safest, but it's pretty badass. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's incredible to me that, you know, that kind of tradition can outweigh any kind of, you know, you know, just, just modern kind of PC, you know, stuff. And one of the things people don't quite maybe get or, or have seen is when opposing fans come in, they sit behind the opposing bench area. There's a lot of season ticket holders behind the opposing bench, but there's still room for opposing fans. And I had the luxury for almost 20 years to sit in the radio booth and call Blue Devil games. Well, as soon as that ceremony started, you'd look down and you'd see a glow from that section and people would have their cell phones out (laughs) and they'd be recording it or taking pictures of it. That's cool. You know, some of them had never seen it. Some of them had seen it, but wanted to see it again. And, and here I am, I'm 48 years old. I started going to blue devil games when I was five. I still get goosebumps during the blue devil ceremony. Something. 
Again, graduating from Peyston, always a big Peyston fan, but man, every time I watched one of those, it didn't matter. You get, you, I mean, you get goosebumps. It doesn't matter if yeah. you went to that school or not. That ceremony is so amazing. Uh, Matt, I do want to ask you one question. This may be the stumper. I'm hoping it is, but I think you probably know the answer. Oh, no. What do they use to light the torch? They uh, A lighter. Okay, but what is it fueled by? It's gas-powered. It's gas-powered. School spirit. <laughs> If you if you look at it closely, there's a little um, like an like a, a a gas grill type of fuel tank. Oh, one okay. of those small ones that slides in. Okay, it, 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 and so you turn it on. It's got it's got the nozzle there. You turn it on so it's propane based. Oh wow, and very cool. You turn it on. They take a lighter, light it, and off they go. And the the fire extinguisher is right there. The yeah, time. I saw a video on YouTube where one of the openings, and it's funny because the guy with the fire extinguisher walks out right before the pitchfork walks yeah. out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I like it. I like but it. I've Safety never first. Seen, I've never seen him have to use the fire extinguisher. That's good. Yes. I mean, how many games have there been and with the pitchfork oh. now? If it's 70 years, that's what? Crazy amount. I mean, you're, you're talking 800 50, 900 games. The other thing that I found, so I, I'm a huge stat geek. I love looking at stats. And, and the video that I was actually watching, because it's been a while since I've been to a senior high game, uh, is that there's a stat up on the on the wall that has like 64 consecutive wins. Yes, is that right? That's correct. I thought it was like I thought that was like a state record. It is the record. The actual record was broken by Lawrenceville. So Lawrenceville owns the entire state record of 68 consecutive victories. And that was done in 1983 is when they set that. So a year, a little more than a year after Quincy's streak ended. Wow. Quincy's is, you know, back in the day when, the, when those streaks were, you know, progressed, Lawrenceville was a class A school. So everybody considered it the class A state record. Quincy at 64 straight was the class AA state record. Now you've got four classes and all that's so a big bunch of bluey, but. It's still the the class double A or big school state record of sixty four consecutive victories. They were undefeated one season, and the second season they were was it they were undefeated going into what going, the finals, going into the state semifinals against Chicago Mendel Catholic, and Mike Hampton hit a shot right you know right before the buzzer. Um, Quincy was able to call timeout with no time on the clock, but the buzzer hadn't sounded. Huh, wow. And Dennis Douglas threw a length of the court pass to Bruce Douglas at the rim. So think about that. He's standing on one baseline, throws it to the rim at the other end, and Bruce lays it up, and it swirls around and falls off. Oh, no. Yeah. And there's there's an <sighs> iconic picture, and the picture's in the book. Of Bruce laying on the on the assembly hall floor after that shot, right. and then the second <sighs> photo to go with it is Coach Leggett walking off the floor, and you see the big scoreboard hanging over the middle of the court with the final score, Quincy Luton oh. by one point. Oh, so man, that had to be heartbreaking. I, re- I just saw that picture today going going through the book. I, I believe Dennis Mahoney was the sports writer uh, at the at the Herald Wig at the time. And uh, I believe his lead to that game story was something to the effect of the sun will come up tomorrow, but it'll never be the same. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Well, we're talking about the ceremonies. I mean, the intimidation factor is huge. 
However, there have been, as you put it in your book, enemies of the state. One particular <laughs> coach comes to mind. Uh, let's see, Duncan Reed comes to yeah. mind as someone who wasn't phased by this this introduction. Tell us a little about Duncan and his little quirky ways to get under Quincy's skin. Well, Duncan got under Quincy's skin a whole lot and also had a lot of success at Rock Island. Um, he was a Rock Island head coach for yes. a long time, right? Yeah, Hall of Fame coach, um, won – you know, he and Jerry Leggett had some major battles back and forth just be, during that era because Quincy was really good. Rock Island was really good. And Duncan Reed never wanted to allow Quincy to, to be Quincy when he was here. And it was it was simple things. So a lot of times with, you know, roughly five minutes left in the pregame, seven minutes left in the pregame, teams will go back to the locker room to have a quick chat and then they'll come out and finish their warmups. And then, you know, then you have the starting lineups and you play. Well, when, when team opposing teams would do that, Quincy would run a drill that went full court, hmm. did it during every pregame. Duncan Reed would leave one player or a manager out there to shoot free throws. <laughs> while the rest of the team went in the locker room just so Quincy couldn't do that. Wow. Um, there, there were times, where he had his managers dress up in firefighter uniforms. So when the Blue Devil came out, um, they stood there with fire extinguishers at times. Um, it was all just a it, it, it was it was a mental game. Um, wow! Yeah, that, that was incredible. Because a lot of times, if you watch the opposing team, if they haven't been to Blue Devil Gym before, they'll stand and watch the ceremony. Right. Um, because the Blue Devil now, the way it's done now. The Blue Devil comes out after the opposing team's starting lineup is announced. Okay. Uh, and and this is after the national anthem and the whole bit. So they do the national anthem, announce the opposing team's starting lineup. Then the Blue Devil comes out, runs around the gym. They do all that. They announce the Blue Devil starters, and you play. It, it's been different. Like, when I was growing up, they announced the starting lineup of the opposing team, brought the Blue Devil out. He stood at midcourt under the spotlight, and then they announced the starting five, and then they stood in a row during the national anthem. Oh, wow. So Very there's, cool. some, there's some iconic pictures of the flag up in the corner waving with a spotlight on it, and the only other light in the gym is the spotlight on the starting five, and they would stand in order by size, so it almost right. looked staircase-wise. So the tallest guy was huh. in the back, shortest guy was in the front, and the blue devil was always in the front. That's cool. That's so cool. I, you know, and it actually, you know, again, going back to your your history in sports and with basketball, Travis and I, I mean, I follow some sports and Travis, I think it's probably less than I even am. But I came uh, back on football in a big way this year, Chris, but that, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> My son got interested at uh, nine years old, Matt, and I've had to reimmerse myself into the game and I've found myself actually watching sports every Sunday, which most people that know me think that's crazy. So... <laughs> Hey. There may be hope for me yet. Do anything for your kids, right? There you go, man. Yeah. So talk to me, though, about this. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but the psychological, you know, do do teams that come in here, does that psychological atmosphere of what is being produced, do you, does it actually affect how the players play? Mm -hmm. It does. I, I would say, especially for a team that hasn't been to Blue Devil Gym before or for players who haven't experienced it, it's a five to 10 point advantage right out of the gate. Wow. <laughs> because, because here it is, there's, you know, you're used to, for the most part, you go to a gym, they play the national anthem, they announce the starting lineups, you go on the court and you play. 
here you go is they shut down the lights. They announce the lineup. They turn off the spotlight and out of the darkness, out of this blue light comes this figure with a flaming pitchfork <laughs> runs around the gym that by the point he gets all the way around the gym, the entire gym's on its feet. Right. And you're sitting there as a player looking around going, Oh Lord. <laughs> you know, you, you, now granted, if you've experienced it a time or two, it's not as intimidating and you're, you're better prepared for it. So the Western big six conference schools get used to it. The non-conference schools, again, depending on who they play on, on any given year, aren't used to it. Hmm. So I, I think there's an inherent advantage right out of the gate hmm. uh, for Quincy because of it, because it takes a moment to adjust to that. Now, I'm always curious, though, and I, I've never, never got, I mean, I take that back. I did way back 25 years ago to a Quincy High football game. I wonder why the transitions never happen that you, you don't have that, you know, pump that is happens in the basketball games. Has there ever been any talk that, of transitioning that into the football arena? I know there's been chatter at times about how do we, how do you incorporate the blue double into other sports, but there's the mystique of it. The mm. lights are gone. The lights go out. It comes out of the tunnel between the stands. It doesn't have the same ambiance of the light, the pitchfork. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen him bring the blue double mascot to other games, but without the 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 flaming pitchfork. Mm-hmm. It, it just it, I don't know how you could replicate it anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. couldn't. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw this out there: pitchworks that shoots fireworks. Hey. Pitchfork with fireworks. I don't know. I, I'm just I, an idea I, guy. You guys have to run with that. I don't you, know. You just never know. That might work. <laughs> it might. I want to jump, Chris, a little bit. We talked about the great facility, which was state of the art. The current gym of the Blue Devils, I believe, they had a special uh, sealant on the floor. Correct? Is, yes. I think it made national. Like it was in the ad campaign was, for this company. Yeah, there was an there was a national ad for. Also, it's in the book. Yeah, 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 it's in the book for one of the, it was when they when they built the gym and put laid that floor down. I think it was uh, a sealomatic or seal. I think that's what it was called. And they put us in it. They used it. And there's a picture of the guys playing in the gym in practice. That's part of the ad. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that facility has a ton of history to it, aside from all the success of the Blue Devils. Um, right. And it's still. I still consider it one of the best facilities in the state, even today. And and I think if you walked into their locker room, you'd be amazed. And and I've had people, uh, players who have gone on to play college basketball, maybe not Division One, but at, at some level, and and they're disappointed when they get to college because the <laughs> locker room's not as good, the the arena's not as nice, wow. the facilities just don't match up to what they grew up used to in Quincy. This is a great juxtaposition because off the sealant of the new gym, I want to go back in time a little bit to before that facility. Okay. to where you had to go down Main Street a little bit further to put watch a little basketball happening. Yep. I believe you refer to it as Latham's Dungeon. That is correct. In your book. And that was was that fourteenth in Maine, the old gym? Yep. Now this boy, I, I don't want to steal any of your thunder here, Matt. Tell us about the quite a one eighty on what they had to, to work with back then. What would tell us about Latham's Dungeon? Okay, well George Latham was the head coach back then. Before before they moved and built the new high school, the 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 facility now currently at 14th and Main that is the junior high was the original high school. Hmm. Okay. okay, and if anybody's ever been in that building, you have the main gym and then there's a basement gym. 
Okay. But the main gym, if you walk in there, a lot of the seating is up above. Hmm. And if you talk to some of the old players, there were spots on that floor where the ball wouldn't bounce. There were dead spots. <laughs> so they would try to trap players in those dead spots because they know if they went to dribble it, the ball would just die. <laughs> That's Is awesome. that great? And, if, and you learn that because you're practicing there every day and playing there every yeah. day. And, and, and George Latham had a, a ton of success. 250 games as Quincy's coach. Took a couple teams to the state tournament. You know, the team that, that lost to Hebron in the 1952 state title game was coached by George Latham. And that place became known as Latham's Dungeon because any team that came in there lost. <laughs> Tell us about the tree sap. I want to know about the tree sap. Wasn't the, the floor notorious for excreting tree sap from the boards in extreme heat, yes, right? Because of the because of the old because they were old boards. And that's kind of where the, the dead spots came from, because they were old boards. And there were times during the winter the tree sap would seep. <laughs> from the old boards so you just got this stickiness yeah just all over the place yep. like you talk about i mean you have a so you're going in with a five ten point advantage today because of the shock and awe factor of the the introduction and now you're getting a 10, a ten point lead just because of the crazy conditions the dead spots on the floor the stickiness so they, they've always found a way to find an edge no matter the environment it seems like that's in that high school basketball, you got to find an edge no matter where you're <laughs> playing at. True. No, I loved right. hearing some of those stories. That was fantastic. So, so Matt, let's let's dig into this real quick here. Um, and uh, we talked about the Blue Devils, obviously, but uh, do you have anything on like the Hawks or the Raiders? Is there anything in that wheelhouse that you're aware of with their mascot history? The Raider one is interesting because it's been debated so much. Really? Um, and because of the logo, you know, if you walk into that in, into the pit. There's a big raider up on the wall, painted a mural painted up on the wall. It's an it's an Indian mural. Basically. It used to be center court too, right? Yeah, and so yeah. there's always been debate over that. Where exactly that Nick, how they chose the Raiders, is a great question that I do not know. I've never researched hmm. that one because that school has gone under so many different changes because it was Quincy Catholic boys, um, it was Quincy Christian, Christian brothers. brothers, right? You know, it was Quincy Notre Dame, so. It hasn't been the same school name throughout, you know, and the Hawks, the, my understanding of the Hawks, and I could be wrong in this, but my understanding from what I've been told throughout history is they were trying to decide a nickname and the big grass field that is on campus right now, they, they call it the A field, the athletic field. That's where uh -huh. they used to practice and stuff. There were Hawks literally huh. flying around. No, oh, that'd be a great nickname for our teams. Is that true? Is that how it came about? I don't know, but that's part of the legend. Uh, well, then, you know, if that applies to the Blue Devils, then I'm a little bit concerned uh, if that was the same scenario. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in the years, over the years in that gym. There may be some devils buried there. You just never know. <laughs> I want to throw this out there from a purely speculation standpoint, but I was kind of going down this trail at one point on trying to figure out what this whole Blue Devil name and Obviously, I don't have the same finger on the pulse as you've had, you know, haven't written any books on the topic, but I did find some interesting stuff. And like, again, we're going speculation town here, but I was always kind of curious, maybe it was it a playoff, the Duke Blue Devils, who in, I think it was in 19, uh, in the early 1920s as well, they, they took the name from uh, the Chasseurs Alpine, which was a group of blue cape and beret wearing French soldiers 
in World War One, apparently. Yeah. And they were kind of known for kind of protect fighting in the Alps, and they were just like super evasive and uh, just real persistent and like low numbers were beating off the Germans, essentially. And so I wonder if there's kind of an unintentional tie-in to all that, because I always thought growing up, you got Quincy in the histor- history, you had Thomas Baldwin, and I believe one of his planes was the Red Devil. And I think I think one of the, the, the new uh, public schools, I guess, would be Baldwin. They actually yeah. have a, a one of the, their statue when they did all the statues recently. I believe that is of his plane, the Red Devil. And I always thought, boy, isn't that kind of ironic that you know the Red Devil and the Blue Devil history is almost you know down the street from each other. But uh, just either here or there, I don't know if you ever heard that. I've, on ne- the Blue I've Devil never heard the, any ties between Duke and Quincy High School that the, the nicknames match or complete or speculation, like but interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Um, now the logos are different. The, bl- the, really? blue, okay. the Blue Devil logo that Duke uses is a side view um doesn't look anything like the blue double logo that quincy high school uses i don't know guys i I, i'm a little concerned i I really think that there's some people out there that were like i think we need maybe some devil worshiping or (laughs) now well see now okay you're a pacing guy yeah there were rumors back in back in the day that uh-oh. There, there was a Uh-oh. spot between Quincy and Pace. Burton Cave, Burton Cave rumors coming up here. Where, where they used to, there was devil worshiping yeah. going on. Yeah, the yeah. Grotto. Mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sure, the Gazi yeah. Grotto. That's on our tick list for later. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. I, well, I had. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, it's just, it's so, it's so interesting. I just don't know. It just doesn't, still doesn't make any sense to me that, like, I mean, I don't know. Okay, well, let me throw this at you. Okay, go ahead. Chicago Whitney Young, one of the best public league basketball teams in the city. Their nickname is the Dolphins. Why in the world would a team in Chicago be nicknamed the Dolphins? (laughs) Those famous Lake Michigan Dolphins I've heard so much about. (laughs) Sometimes there's no no good explanation. Sometimes it's because they throw an idea out. Okay, we want to name a we want a nickname for a team, and they put it open to a vote in the school, and somebody goes. Hey, this could be a fun nickname, and then everybody gets behind it, and they end up choosing it. The legends there, but the stories are lost. It's yeah. it's kind of a oh, I almost like the mystique of it. Of you know what? Who cares? It's 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 become its own story, and whatever whatever kind of lore or legend built to that is it's not going to change anything. It, it's it's taken its own. It's taken the wheel and and drove itself into you know the legacy of Quincy. And, and if you if you go through it, you could come up with some really cool nicknames for a lot of different places that didn't get used. Uh, yeah, Chris, obviously Payson, Payson Indians. Yeah. Well, with Burton being so close, why weren't they the cave dwellers? <laughs> you know, they, you, yeah. know you, you can sit there and come up with some really cool ideas for a lot of names. But but by the time you get through all that, you look, you're, are you going to change the name? No, because there's a history behind it. Yeah. Absolutely. And a strong history on top of that. Yes. I mean, and, and that's the great thing about and it's so neat. I mean, again, uh, it's the that's one thing. I mean, out of so many other things, but one of the strong, uh, you know, pieces of the pie, if you will, for Quincy in their amazing history with uh, Quincy Blue Devil basketball. Uh, before we let you go, Matt. I got to ask you this question because I, I, I'm really curious what your answer is. You've covered so much sports over the decades. Um, give me your highlight. What's that one one event, one sporting event that you went to that you're like, holy cow, I am present for this thing happening right now? And it may surprise somebody with what my answer will be. Okay. Because I've had the opportunity in my career to cover some 
some high level moments. You know, I've been to the Big 12 tournament. I've been to an NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, I've been, you know, uh, some of the games I've covered, the Mizzou football game where they almost beat number one Nebraska and lost mm. on the, 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 the kick in the end zone. You know, mm. so, so I've had some opportunity to, to, to experience a lot of really cool things. But maybe the two and the two go hand in hand that I would put up there as top of my list. Okay. Watching Luke Guthrie win a state championship hmm. and then being in Memphis for his professional debut. Really? When oh, he cool. and it's funny because when he won a state champ, his second state championship, he won back to back state championships uh, in golf at Quincy High School. And I told him and his dad the day he won the second state title. When you make your pro debut, I'll be there. Now, did we know he was going to go on and be a Big Ten champion and an NCAA All-American and all those things? Had an inkling it could happen. Yeah. Had an inkling that he might end up playing professional golf, but there was no guarantee of it. Right. So the summer of 2012, he graduates. So he finishes his degree at, at, and, and his eligibility at Illinois. He receives a sponsor's exemption to play in the St. Jude Classic in, in Memphis. That was the same week as the the McDonald's Herald Week Classic, mm, which was okay. our big all-star game that we always right. put on. We made the decision that I'm going to Memphis. We didn't know how long I'd be there. He might play Thursday, Friday, not make the cut. Not you know, So be it. He, he may have finished in the top 20, played the entire weekend. And one of the coolest things, and it's sitting on my desk at work, is his parents then later gave me a Christmas gift, and it was a photo and it was it wasn't framed. They it actually they took a photo and, and had it made into a tin. Oh with, yeah, yeah. okay. And it's Luke and I sitting on a bench uh at the, the TPC course in Memphis, talking oh. after one of his rounds. Oh and they had they had it put on there on the photo. I told you I'd be at your professional debut. Oh, that's some prophet awesome. prophetic words there and from Matt. Wow. I, I so much went into that and and seeing him play on that stage. And here's there's a funny side story to that as well. So that he tees off in one of the very first groups on that Thursday morning. So I'm out on the first tee at like 7 a.m. watching him. You know, so I'm I'm writing his story of his pro debut. Got my little video camera recorder that we were using back then. And I video his first tee shot, and he hits it right down the middle of the fairway. So as soon as he does, I, I truck it back to the clubhouse so I can get the video loaded and they can put it on our website. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm on my phone as I'm, as I'm headed back to the clubhouse and I'm tweeting. Luke Guthrie makes his pro debut, tees off on number one. His tee shot hits it, uh, hits his first tee. It's supposed to say shot. Oh no! The, zero, the O became an I, <laughs> and I said first hits his first tee, got right down the middle of the fairway. I get put my phone in my pocket. I get into the clubhouse in the media center. I'm downloading my video, and I can feel my phone buzzing. And I'm like, "What's going on?" I look up, and I've got like seven or eight text messages, and they're all oh, just, no. "That's great, ha ha ha!" And I'm like, "What did I do?" And I go back and look. There you go. Oh, autocorrect again. Yeah, strikes again. Strikes oh, again. that's good stuff, man. Before we let you go, Chris, we have to go full circuit here because okay. we've been wanting to have Matt on for a while. And the impetus, I, I will say, for the benefit of this story here, was when we had Chris Dewar on earlier. 
I threw Chris a random question, which he he quickly sidestepped and shot to you, uh, saying you would probably know the answer. Great. Oh, so yeah. the pressure might be on here. This is going back. We're going to close it out with QHS basketball. It only seems right to bring it full circle here. Okay. Sleeves or no sleeves? Oh, who has the most wins? First of all, and which do you prefer? Second of all, okay. Well, the the no sleeves has the most wins because the sleeve era is limited compared to the hundred and thirteen years, hundred fourteen years of Blue Devil basketball. So, okay. if if you're just going to go straight sleeves or no sleeves, no sleeves has the the more wins. Okay, no okay. no wins now. What's but, your preference though? Well, sleeves by far. Really? Oh Why? yeah. Hold on one Why second. The sleeves. Oh, we, got, we have visual <laughs> aid gonna here. He's going to show us something. <laughs> it's, I always thought it was controversial when I was in high school and younger because those were the sleeve days still, uh, maybe slightly before high school, and I always thought that was so strange. I, I had the opportunity to play a little Blue Devil basketball back in the day. I did oh, ma- yeah. never played varsity, but I did okay. play a little Blue Devil basketball. And recently, Andy Douglas, the current head Blue Devils coach, was cleaning out some of their storage and stuff, and and was they were getting – taking care of some old jerseys. So he hooked me up with the number I wore. Oh, 54. Oh. Look at see, that beautiful blue sleeve it's got jersey. Oh. Look at that. Was there <laughs> nice. advantage to the sleeve? What was, is there any kind of mojo working there? What's happening? I with think, the sleeve? Yeah, it, it just, it, it was different and it made you, yeah. if you watch now, a lot of guys will put a, a t-shirt on uh-huh. under yes. their jersey, you know, or shooting shirt. And it's like, well, you didn't have to do that with these. He had them. You know, and so it was just nobody else had them. So the sleeves have the looks, but the sleeveless are in the books. I guess we can there you go. I, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, there haven't been enough games played with the sleeves. Hey, it all comes back around eventually. There's but you know still. what? They still. want a state title wearing the sleeves. There you go. Bring Matt it back. Shuckman. Matt Shuckman, if you go go listen to what Matt Shuckman has to say, MuddyRiverSports.com, amazing coverage, great behind the scenes, like really getting to know the people behind the sports too, which I really enjoy. Um, thanks so much for making time for popping on wild, Quincy. We really, really appreciate it. Dude, this was awesome. You guys do a great job. I hope more people listen to you and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, man. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we'll be back with more after this on Wild Quincy. <laughs> Summer is coming. It really is. And are you ready for it? Well, why not start by getting a great tan this summer at Outdoor Creations in West Quincy. And it doesn't have to cost a whole lot either. How about 10 tans for $20 or unlimited tanning for 30 days for $40? And for your birthday, receive a free tan with no purchase necessary. To fit your busy schedule, Outdoor Creations has tanning available 24 hours a day by appointment. So get ready for summer at Outdoor Creations across from the barge in West Quincy. Well, there's something a little bit different. Throwback ad to 1998 and outdoor creations. Uh, Travis, how do we want to dissect this throwback ad? Man, I I have little to no firsthand experience with this place. How about you? You big Tanner? 
<laughs> no, I my tanning my tanning capabilities came when I was on a tractor uh, raking hay in the summertime. That's, that's sweet, that's, sweet farmer's tan. That's maybe, right. Huh? I supported yeah. the farmer's tan back in the day. But uh, gotta love that. We want to give a, a shout out because uh, those golden pipes. We we hear a lot of golden pipes in the Tri-State area, but those golden pipes you heard were none other than Brian Miles. Uh, oh, of so, course, yeah, Brian Br- Miles. Brian Miles. He uh, he did the audio for that, or did the voiceover for that. Uh, and um, also, you know, one of the things I found interesting, I had to ask my wife, I was like, man, do they have tanning places anymore? You rarely hear about them. It seems like, and I don't know anything about this, so I could be completely off base. It seems like the spray tanning thing is like maybe maybe peaked a little it's more. Safe. I mean, it's probably safer. Yeah. I, and I wonder if that's that's why. But I tell you, the one thing about that ad that really caught my ear is the whole con- you know the the whole wayfinding aspect of the old barge <laughs> across from the the barge in West right. Quincy. Boy, everybody used that for a while because it was so awkward over there. Yeah. And I can only imagine, you know, somebody somebody who's casually passing through Quincy and caught that on the radio or on the TV and like, "What barge are you talking about?" <laughs> like such a weird local landmark. Yeah. A no more. Yeah, no more, unfortunately. But yeah, I've, you, I think they're not the only ones that did that. I think there was others that were doing that, too, that they used the barge, like you said. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. As, as a landmark. So yeah, the throwback ad there from 1998. Travis, I think it's time to bring in some other golden voices. Oh, here it comes, boys and girls. And now, it's time for Words of Wisdom from Adams County. Thank you, Bo, as always. Gotta love those pipes. Beautiful. It always makes it worthwhile. All right, so it's time to dig into the legend and the lore from our forefathers and foremothers of Adams County as we dig into the folklore. What we did is a while back, we sent out, uh, said, hey, give us some numbers for our book. We'll uh, pull your number and we'll read that section. And uh, Travis, this week we go to a selection by Mason Murray. Of course. Let's hear what what delightful uh, knowledge tidbits you have to drop on us today. So the number that Mason chose is 2222. Oh, okay. We like the twos. So uh, the 2222 section is in horses and mules. It would have been cool if it was a ballerina theme. <laughs> Tutu. <laughs> oh, dad joke accomplished. Dad joke, we're done. All right. Need a bell for that. So here is this week's uh, message from the forefathers. Okay. A man had a fine horse. He said he would give anyone $20 if they would stop the horse from bleeding. My sister <laughs> counted 50 what? backwards... And got the $20 for saving his horse. Words of wisdom from Adams County. Wow, okay. <laughs> A lot to unpack there. Yeah. So he his horse was fine. Yep. It obviously wasn't great because it was bleeding, apparently. Right. And he was going to give somebody 20 bucks if someone would stop the bleeding. You know who I would have checked first with? Like a veterinarian. A vet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a pharmacist didn't. Maybe John Wood. John Wood did everything back in the yeah, day. Yeah, could have been his thing. Help that horse out. Um, yeah. So, a, so a girl counted backwards to fifty, and she won twenty dollars. She got like, twenty bucks for saving his horse. Well, you know it is true. If you do count backwards from fifty, and you possess mystical X Men like powers, uh, you will stop an animal from bleeding. Of course, <laughs> I forgot about that <laughs> obvious knowledge yeah. everyone has. So I think that weird. was in the latest Marvel movie. Was it Doctor Strange? Maybe I well, don't know. Why couldn't they just be like? Why couldn't they just be like? Um, here's a bandage for your horse. That'll be twenty dollars. 
boy, just uh, and you know, let's let's be honest, not that interesting. I mean, uh, you know, if I was editing that book, I might have uh, I might have said, you know what, you know, this uh, I talked to I talked to Hyatt and Hyatt wasn't down with that. They, so, there's like know. literally, and I don't remember the exact number, but there's well over ten thousand of those in this book. Um, so I mean, I think I don't think they were going for quality. I I I think they were going for quantity in this boy, book. I, you know, how many of those is someone just like was half lit and was just oh, like, yeah. I got I got a story for you. You yeah. got a horse. It was real fine. And it <laughs> just, all these crazy stories. Well, there you go. Bleeding horses come backwards from 50 and save yourself 20 bucks. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to be putting out, we're getting towards the end of our list of our first ones. Uh, so what we're going to do is eventually, probably the next month or so, we'll put another option out there to give us some of those numbers. And uh, we'll uh, ask for uh, some numbers again to choose from uh, as we go into season three. But thanks to everybody that uh, supplied a number for that. Travis, are you ready for the question of the day? Yeah, yeah. Re- remind everybody what we're, we're debating and thinking to ourselves right now. So here is the question of the day. How many towns are named Quincy in the world? We got some choices for you. You have either 8, 12, 18, or 22. So, Travis, what are your thoughts? Well, let me just do some logic here. There'll be a hive mind. Everybody's thinking to themselves right now. Well, Quincy was obviously named after our president, John Quincy Adams. Um, I believe our sixth or seventh, sixth president, I think. And since... I'm guessing a lot of the other Quincy's are in the United States were probably named after him because of the same time they were founded. I have a hard time believing there's a lot in the world. So instead of going high, I think one of the options was one of the options eight, you said? Eight, 12, 18, and 22. Eight, 12, 18, and 22? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I didn't know about that 12. Okay, I was thinking eight. I'm going to go, I'm going to go eight. I feel like going eight. Going eight. Finally, yeah, let's do it. Eight. You are incorrect. Oh, shucks. You are actually the opposite end of being correct. Oh, I did. I went too low. You went actually the lowest you could possibly go because it's actually the highest number on the Mm. list. 22 towns are named Quincy in the world. I liked how you you dissected this a little bit, and I'm going to give you a little more information. Yeah, what do you got? 17 towns in the united states are named quincy there are actually five in france named Quincy. interesting okay france who knew making the total 22 well there you go kids that i I tried the one dollar route that i learned from prices right and that was not the way to go no that's some knowledge to throw out at your friends as uh, you uh wait for the next episode of wild quincy to come out and the reason we say that is because this is again the season finale of season two we've had a blast Uh, we've had a lot of fun we want to thank all of the people who have come on this season to talk to us we started with rich kane we had chad on we went through our haunted october or wild october time period with doc holiday match and of course matt shuckman and once again thanks for him coming on for this episode but it's been a fun season travis we we covered a lot of stuff did some deep dives um yeah it's been fun it's hard to believe it kind of feels like it's been a while but in the same time feels like only yesterday we were kicking off season two <laughs> so 
Any care to tease anything from season three? Or are we going to leave everybody hanging? Uh, you know, well, I say the big highlights of this is that we've mentioned this a couple times is that we're changing two of our categories up for next mm, season. That's big. Uh, we're we're dropping the we're not going to have fun anymore. Uh, so we're dropping no. the fun category. Funless. We're funless. completely funless, and then we're dropping the unexplained for the next season. We're going to switch those up with two new ones. We're going to do a what if category, which I already have those lined up. Uh, for the next season which we'll have three of those and then we'll be starting a new category called people where we'll be talking with people because we've realized in doing this that we want to talk to some people that are very interesting but doesn't really apply to the categories we had so we thought hey let's make a people category we're breaking the old molds and making a new one that's right so we'll be having that for you coming up. We're going to be taking a little bit of time off uh, because we've been going nonstop since we started this uh, great uh, roller coaster ride. So we're going to be taking a little time off. We'll be coming back your way in April uh, for season three. And uh, we'll, if, here's a something to keep you busy. If you're not a Patreon member, jump on Patreon. 29 episodes sitting there waiting for you. And by the way, we'll have some additional episodes coming off during the off season on Patreon as well. So you can check those out as well. Travis, is there anything we're missing before we wrap up this amazing season two of Wild Quincy? No, it's going to give us ample time to take a little break, rejuvenate, clean our microphones a little because they smell terrible <laughs> and and see what wonderful things we have in store. Thanks everyone for listening and spreading the word on Wild Quincy. Um, like Chris said, we'll probably be popping in on the Patreon side more than once during our absence from the main channel here. But so come give us some love over there if you're missing us too bad. Otherwise, we'll see you uh, in springtime. For Travis Hoffman, I'm Chris Ketters. You've been listening to season two of Wild Quincy. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. Wild Quincy.